Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you insightful conversations with franchising's biggest names. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. We actually introduced membership during the pandemic, um, which is pretty interesting where most people were kind of doubling down and, you know, either closing or or, or not doing a lot on the marketing side. We actually introduced the membership proposition during the pandemic. And and we saw that guests were coming during certain programs and they were requesting, you know, some type of program that incentivized their spend. Membership programs are a valuable marketing and retention tool for all kinds of business, but it requires the right kind of experience and strategy to ensure that these are fully optimized. You need to understand what your customers want out of your brand and package this up for them in an affordable, attractive bundle. This is something that Amy Phillips, President and Chief Marketing Officer for Altitude Trampoline Parks, knows all too well. Amy joined Altitude back in 2020 and quickly rose through the ranks. Over the past year, she's managed to introduce a membership program to the family entertainment franchise that has seen a double-digit sales increase at participating locations. On this episode of the Global Franchise Podcast, we wanted to catch up with Amy to learn more about her methodology behind this program. Stay tuned to learn whether there are certain industries that this kind of program wouldn't work for, as well as the perfect timing to introduce such a scheme. One of the the many contributions which you've made to Altitude Trampoline Parks' uh, growth is this membership program. Um, and I thought we'd begin by just talking about the, the specifics of that and kind of how membership programs can function within the franchising world. Um, do you think that this is a model that any business can look to incorporate, regardless of industry or audience? Or do you think that this kind of membership scheme is um, specific to certain kinds of businesses like Altitude Trampoline Parks? Sure. Yes. I actually think it varies by, by, you know, industry type, obviously monetizing and uh, rewarding your most loyal guests in any way um, is something that I think most brands uh, are looking to do for us. Uh, We see that many of our guests have an average uh, group size of maybe two kiddos. So we, we really went the membership route um, to really encourage guests to come more. Um, and then for those who are looking uh, at coming more than twice a week, offering a value proposition that really encouraged them, not just for their one kiddo, but two kids as well. So for us, you know, it really, really worked well based on the demographic of the brand. Most of our guests uh, are between the ages of five uh, and 12 years old. Uh, it's typically the mother who's bringing uh, the kiddo as well. And what we also saw is we looked at average spin, uh, the average time that they dwelled uh, in a park, uh, and really decided on a on a value proposition um, that really l- lended itself to incremental uh, visits. Um, and then the parent not having to you know pull out their wallet every time they came into the park. And we actually introduced membership during the pandemic, um, which is pretty interesting. Where most people were kind of doubling down and uh, you know either closing or, or, or not doing a lot on the marketing side. We actually introduced the membership proposition during the pandemic, and, and we saw uh, that guests were coming during certain programs, such as we have something called Junior Jumper Jam, we have Neon Nights, and they were requesting, you know, some type of program that incentivized their spend, um, whether they were incentivized their visits. So that's really the main reason we came up with a membership program. So I do think that some type of loyalty program, whether it's memberships or, you know, whether it's based on spin is, I, I think, beneficial to any type of brand. Not having been in franchising prior to Altitude, I was with Dave Investors Corporate, um, I was with Main Event Corporate, some of the, the leading 
family entertainment concepts. And at the time, and, and still, those brands do not have any type of membership program, but they do have loyalty programs that incentivize uh, guests based on spin uh, and get based on the time in which they come to the park. So for us, um, we really landed on memberships for our brand, um, really based on the demographics. And then we also have a number of franchisees who actually own uh, gyms. Uh, so they were really uh, encouraging and supportive um, of us introducing the program to altitude. So we really wanted to make sure that we had the buy-in by at least half of our franchisees before we did um, look to introduce the program to our guests. Right. Okay. And when we're looking at the um, the specific value proposition of those memberships, um, how do you position them so that um, guests feel like their you know their membership is worthwhile? Because naturally, of course, you wouldn't want to have it too expensive because then it's almost prohibitive. But you want to make sure that you know it, it works for the brand as well. How did you how did you work about that? Well, there's a, there's a few things that we did. One, we looked at average spin. We looked at competitors. And when I say competitors, we looked at um, where mothers actually were going uh, by themselves. So whether that I have actually have a membership uh, with, uh, with a Pilates gym, we looked at different membership pricing for adults uh, to those versus uh, kids as well. So we really align on a 10-10. So it's $10 to join and it's $10 a month. And what we also saw is that the average guest was purchasing more than one membership in the park. So we had to make the, the pricing conducive to an average uh, probably transaction of two guests um, with one family purchasing those two memberships. So that was really key for us um, to make sure that the, that the pricing was conducive to an average of two members in one household, which was key. Um, so there's a ton of perks that actually come with our membership. So while it's $10 to join and $10 a month, we have members bring a buddy for free. Who wants to jump alone? So there's a lot of <laughs> only children as well. So we really encourage parents to bring their friends on a Monday, which is a slower day part for us. Uh, so any member across the country can bring a buddy for free. Then we also have perks for, for parents. So many times parents are actually working, you know, in the parks where their kiddos are jumping. But, you know, oftentimes they take a break. Maybe they're in between Zoom calls and, you know, parents can jump at any time for $5. So in addition to your, your kiddo being able to jump literally 24 hours a day or when the park is open, um, parents can actually join in the fund for $5. So for us, it was a great alternative or, or an addition uh, to having a, a gym membership, but not for just for the parent, for the kiddo as well. So there wasn't really uh, any type of kind of active fit family fitness fun option during the pandemic. Many of the uh, more org organized sports were closed. Um, so many parents just use altitude as a way to keep their kids uh, active. So um, we, we really align on a value proposition that would encourage them to not be limited to just one uh, family member. So the 1010 has really worked for us. Yeah, no, it certainly sounds like that, um, you know, the kind of the value proposition is based, as you say, on very much the the research and experience of the brand. And that comes quite nicely onto my um, next question for you, Amy, which is just about emerging franchises. I mean, you know, Altitude by this point is um, quite well known throughout the States. But um, do you think that an emerging brand can immediately launch into this kind of membership program? Or does it require a certain level of consumer trust and experience with the brand to be built before you launch this kind of program? You know, I, I think it does, you know, and I, and I think it's not just conducive to entertainment. I was, there's a new uh, cookie franchise that's, that's here on the market. And it, when it, when it first launched, I was like, huh, not, not really sure about this brand. And now, uh, at least my kiddo, she loves it. And I actually wish there was some type of membership program because <laughs> I'm looking at the amount of money that we're spending on cookies, right? Probably $25 a week. And, 
honestly, it probably wouldn't behoove them to have a membership program because they're they're making more money per, per transaction. However, um, if I were uh, being charged twenty five dollars a month, I would probably, um, you know again, probably buy more for this particular company. So when we're talking about emerging brands, I do think there's a time that it takes to kind of build that loyal uh, following. There's a time, uh, you know, obviously that it takes to uh, promote trial, um, to get guests really excited about um, monetizing the brand. So while I think that, again, membership or a version of a membership or loyalty-based program uh, could be relevant to any type of concept, I really do think that um, you need that 60 to 90 days or more um, to really build that loyal base of fans and advocates for the brand um, to continue to want to, you know, attach their card or ACH, you know, to, to, to the platform, um, to kind of garner, uh, th- those and spend those dollars on a consistent basis. And I, I w- I'll use one, for example, I used to live in New York. I live in Texas now. I still have the same gym membership <laughs> in New York because it was five bucks a month, right? So you kind of forget forget that. And there's so much data that talks about pricing and wants to kind of get past that $10, uh, you know, the, what the opt-in is. So I do think looking at pricing uh, sensitivity, looking at um, just the threshold and, and data around membership pricing is is key before really diving into all things memberships. I, I do think that pricing uh, is important. And and depending on where you live, I, we've gotten a, a lot of feedback. Well, it should be more expensive in New York and, it, you know, th- than Texas. Well, you know, when you look at Planet Fitness or even 24 Hour or some of the leading membership-based platforms, they, they really have done well by having the same consistent price point um, across the country. So um, we're, we're all in with the 1010, no matter what um, location uh, the park is, is located. But but yes, I absolutely think there's a place for memberships or some type of loyalty-based incentive program for, for any brand. Right. And um, slightly shifting gears slightly, Amy, um, you'd mentioned, of course, that you've worked across many international family entertainment brands and you've done so now for over 20 years. And I just wanted to dive into that experience slightly. Um, what would you say have been some of the, the key marketing lessons that you've learned uh, and acquired throughout this period, which could perhaps be useful to franchisors looking to hone their efforts in the marketing space? Sure. No. So I've, you know, interesting enough, I started with Pepsi um, and and most would think that that's consumer beverages, but it was families. You know, we were introducing the products to families in grocery stores. And then I moved to Blockbuster. I don't even know if you're familiar with Blockbuster. I was there the last two years that they were actually in existence. And I think that's when I got to dabble in a real introduction to families, right? And really marketing to families. You know, at the time, this is (laughs) really dating me. You would see families come into a Blockbuster location to rent a movie. And it was, it, it was a real experience. Right. Um, and you know, of course the Netflix and, and, you know, uh, online kind of came on, on the market and Blockbuster is no longer around, but that really stayed with me. Um, and, and at the time I left Blockbuster and was recruited by Dave and Buster's there, there's an actual Dave and Buster, <laughs> if you're familiar with the concept. And I actually had the opportunity to work with both Dave and Buster to really introduce, um, Dave and Buster's to, to, to actually the, the country and the world. Um, and, at that time, we were really marketing to families with children, you know, families who were looking for an escape from being behind their television or watching movies. They wanted to do something a bit different. Um, and I really uh, am a gamer at heart, believe it or not. I, I play, I actually have a 
pair of Oculus glasses here in the hotel room that I'm in. And, you know, we, we always have fun wherever we are. So I've kind of been in this gaming entertainment space really for the past 20, 20 years, just by uh, the nature of me enjoying both family and games. Right. So it's never I don't want to say it, it, there's nothing serious about the job. There's a lot of serious components about all things entertainment. Um, but I think it makes more fun when you when you actually see families enjoying, <laughs> you know, the experience. Absolutely. So I went from Dave and Buster's um, to main event the main event entertainment. I actually worked with Ardent Leisure and Trust that's based in Australia uh, and worked with uh, their bowling anchored concepts. And then we also had a few concepts in Australia and New Zealand. So they really range from your family entertainment, arcade games, all the way to theme parks. Um, and it was just an interesting experience for me. I learned a ton. Um, and I've been enjoying family entertainment, you know, while uh, there, there's other things that I could be doing. I've, this is just the space that I've enjoyed. And then becoming a mother um, really helped me to enjoy it more because you, you bring your entire family um, to your job and it doesn't feel like work. You know, you're you're the cool mom uh, being that, you know, your kid's going to enjoy their birthday parties and you see them kind of grow up in this space as well. So for me, it's just been something that's truly been ingrained in, in who I am. Uh, our family enjoys, you know, all the concepts. And so uh, it's just been the gift of, of work and, and enjoyment for all of us. So I, I don't necessarily see it as work. Um, I do think that uh, marketing to moms is key. So that's something that I, I look at on a pretty consistent basis. Uh, moms really are the primary decision makers on, on the most leisure activities. So looking at their spending habits, you know, um, not just what they're spending on the kiddos, but what they're spending on themselves. Um, looking at, you know, what's going to make it the ease of transacting with a mom. What are they wanting to see on digital marketing? Where are they consuming their media? Are they on TikTok? And some are. We do have quite a few families uh, and, and not just the parents, but also the kiddos on TikTok and Instagram. So we do definitely more probably on IG and TikTok than we have, I think, in years past. And it's not your, you know, direct marketing. It's really more organic uh, and content-based marketing and just making sure that we're top of mind and in the considerations that when mom is just scrolling on TikTok, like, you know, I was about 10 minutes ago, like, what are we going to do today? Uh, you know, looking for the sponsored ad based on where I'm at. Um, and I think we've, we've become kind of consumed and, and used to that. Um, and, you know, we, we get those messages and it's like, I don't know if they, they read my mind, but I think we're going to do this today. So I think it Again, the marketing is, has evolved for, for sure, um, which actually makes it, I think, just a little easier to kind of market to moms um, just because now we have so much data. Um, we can directly look at a mom with kids ages two to five or ages five to 12 and directly you know, uh, communicate a message um, based on their affinities to that particular target audience. So I, I love the way that marketing and digital marketing has expanded um, by using data to really uh, communicate with that target audience. And um, having occupied several of those roles that you've just run through there, Amy, across the marketing landscape in your career, um, what lessons in leadership would you say that you've learned that now allow you to guide Altitude Trampoline Parks as its president? Absolutely. I would, I would probably say the best ideas honestly just come from working uh, at the field level, working hand in hand with our franchisees. In fact, memberships, just to be quite honest, actually came from a franchisee. He, he actually owns quite a few gyms and we were sitting there talking about the success of his parks. And he said, hey, you know what? I think I could be more successful uh, with memberships. So we began to test the program in three of his locations. And by the way, he's opening up another three locations. Now been you know, our single most um, successful program for the brand. We now have a quarter of a million you know, members um, with 86 locations. So super excited to see the success um, of memberships. But but again, um, these ideas have come from 
the field. They've come from our general managers. They've come from our franchisees. They're really working hand in hand with our leaders um, and our franchisees to make sure that we're thinking and ideating the best in class, um, not just you know, offerings and, and marketing programs, but also systems, technology, um, you know, how do we expand the overall experience? Where are they going in the park? How, what are their dwell times in certain areas? I, I would probably say from a leadership perspective, really working hand in hand um, with our teams and knowing that, you know, the best idea wins, right? Um, and that we can't do them all, but really identifying those two or three strategic ideas or, or initiatives that are going to take the brand to the next level. And that's really what we've been focused on uh, in the past 12 months is really development and memberships, and then how do we continue to elevate and modernize the brand? Yeah, so I think that's a really important point you've just touched on there, Amy, is that ideas can come from um, the franchisees, and as you say, in the field, as much as they can, the franchisors that really guide the future of an organization. And um, just on that note of future, um, what personally excites you, Amy, about franchising in 2022, and what's on the horizon for the brand in the months ahead? Oh, goodness. There's so much that excites me. I mean, just, you know, really over the past couple of months being on, we actually have been having virtual discovery days with these brilliant, you know, entrepreneurs that, you know, Altitude may be one of many of their the entities that they own. And what's been exciting to me is that we, we've we seen quite a few franchisees, again, that that are not necessarily owners just yet <laughs> of, of Altitudes, but are already on board and we're actually building out their locations. But um, to be able to offer a really unique experience that, believe it or not, a lot of concepts are not offering. We get a lot of educational-based franchisees, and what we're seeing is that they can thrive in a virtual world, um, but you can't really thrive with you know a trampoline park virtually in many cases. So many of these franchisees saw that maybe their more educational-based, kid-targeted concepts um, didn't fare quite so well during the pandemic, but those that had more, uh, you know, creative ways of getting families outside of the house. What we saw is that those kiddos between the ages of two to six, parents were willing to, <laughs> to kind of take the the leap and and go out and have a good time um, in our parks because of the initiatives. We, we actually introduced a C3 cleaning initiatives at the onset of the pandemic, where we really encourage our parks to you know, obviously stay clean, stay safe, mask up. Um, and we really, the benefits of that particular initiative uh, across the board. Great. Well, it certainly sounds like you've got um, an exciting year ahead of you and uh, looking forward to hearing more about that as the as 2022 continues. So thank you very much for joining us today, Amy. Thank you. This week's episode was a great opportunity to really drill down into an area of customer retention that we haven't extensively covered before for the podcast. Membership programs are a fundamental part of rewarding your most dedicated customers, and it certainly sounds like a lot of time and energy has gone into making sure that the Altitude Trampoline Parks program is worthwhile for both its franchisees as well as the parents that take their kids along to the brand. As Amy mentioned, however, this kind of setup isn't viable for every kind of business. While practically every franchise will be looking to keep customers immersed for as long as possible, it requires a certain level of trust and brand integrity to be built in order to succeed. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Does your brand have a membership program? And if so, how has it benefited long-term growth? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, 
Hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.